0: As Christians, we struggle with problems. I mean, that's reality. We struggle with problems. But here we've got some new believers that in all reality, they might not even realize that the decision that they made still comes with problems. So as I'm already thinking about what I'm going to preach on, and it was not going to be this, I promise you, (laughs) not at all, uh, so let's just pray that it goes well. Yeah. But when I see it, I thought, man, what a perfect thing to talk about if we've got some of these brand new believers that are either watching or either here. And they need to know that, listen, as Christians, we still go through problems. But there's, there's a specific and particular way that God wants us to deal with these problems. Amen. So really, that's what we're going to look at tonight are those things. And listen, as we start talking about this subject of, of problems, it's not an easy one. Nobody really wants to deal with it. And I was, I was honestly looking at some, some really funny things about how, was to, how people would normally deal with problems. And I did run across this. It said, you can't run away from your problems unless you're overweight, then you need to start running. So <laughs> I thought it was funny, but I thought I better not put that up, up top, so. But listen, as as Christians, we do honestly. We try to avoid problems, right? We try to avoid them. We try to run from them. Uh, we want to ignore them. But problems are real. Sure. I mean, they're yeah, they're real, and we have to deal with them. So tonight, let's look at. Uh, we're going to look at James, chapter one, and let's just go through verses one through four. One through four. This is James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. Greeting my brethren. Now, when he says that, my brethren, listen, he's talking to us. He's talking to Christians. My brethren. It says, count it all joy. Now about right there. If you're like me, you're like, I, I'm stopping. I don't want to keep reading. I don't want to count, count it all joy. Uh, but he says, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that you are trying of your faith, worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Father, thank you so much for this night. God, thank you so much for this opportunity. Father, I pray that more than anything tonight that I just glorify your name. God, this is not about me. This is not about this hour. Father, this is all about glorifying your name, and that's what I want to do tonight. So, Lord, I just pray right now that, God, you just give me all the right words to say. Father, you just give me the the guidance and direction. Father, I pray right now that you open up the hearts and the minds of everybody that's here. Father, if there is somebody that's dealing with this right now, Lord, I pray. I pray that this just touches their heart. Father, if there is a new Christian in here that, that is already struggling with this, Father, if there's a new Christian in here that that maybe they're not there yet, but it's coming. We know it's coming. That, Father, this will help them grow. This will help them through their Christian walk. But more importantly, Lord, that in all that we do, that it's going to bring you honor and glory. So, Lord, we love you. Amen. Amen. So let's just look at a few things there. Let's just look at a few things. So right off the bat, I, I put you a couple of definitions on your paper there. So uh, we look at the word divers. We look at the word divers. That's various in character. Various in character. Then we look at the word temptations. And that word means putting to proof, adversity, problems. Now listen, when we're talking about uh, this, this word temptation here, that is not talking about sin at all. This is not talking about sin. This is talking about testing or trials. Uh, So why do we need testing? Why do we need testing? Testing, it it jolts us out of our our comfortable ruts uh, into which we tend to settle. It provokes a reaction. And listen, the way that we we respond to to these testings, these problems, it tells us a great deal about our spiritual condition. I, I, I... I met a, a, a guy on Monday and, and we were talking and uh, he just brought up in conversation we were actually talking about uh, deer hunting and stuff and he, he, he brought up a situation where somebody was kind of hunting on his land and he said, Jason I I, I get crazy at first he said, I threw my clothes on, I went out there and, and I just went crazy he said, but then you know I realized that it wasn't very Christian like, I didn't do it right so I went back and I apologized and I, I, I told him that I was wrong and he made it right. So that tells us a lot, a great deal about his spiritual condition. He was willing to make that situation right. So let's look at the word problem. A problem is a source of perplexity or vexation, something that requires thought and skill for resolution. So I just want to be clear one more time. Just want to be clear about about the temptation that we're talking about. This is not talking about tempting you, in, tempting you into bad things. Listen, God will never tempt you into doing something that's wrong. He's not going to tempt you into uh, taking a drink. He's not going to take, uh, tempt you into lusting or uh, cheating on your spouse. God's not going to tempt you into doing drugs. This is not talking about any kind of temptation into sin. This is specifically talking about problems. And it's problems, it's it's things that bother you, it's, you know, it's things that get on your nerves, it's things that crawl up underneath your skin, uh, it's things that just cause you discomfort, right? It's problems. Yes. Yeah. And listen, I hate problems. I, I Really, I, I'm that guy that wants to just run away from them. I hate problems. There's nothing fun about them at all. Uh, I, I don't like problems in my own life. I don't like seeing people that go through problems. Listen, there's, there's just nothing fun about problems. But listen, uh, life is nothing but problem solving. In all reality, life is nothing but problem solving. There's nothing fun about it, uh, but all of life for everybody is nothing but problem solving. Uh, There was a, a person at a conference and they were teaching and they once said, your worth is going to be determined by the problems you solve. He said, we've got... Some problem solvers that uh, are your garbage men, and they may make $20 an hour. But then you got some people that the problems they solve, they're lawyers, and they make $200 an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's determined by the problems that you solve. And Listen, I, wanna, I, I saw this on the Internet as I was looking some stuff up, and I thought, man, this is really good. It says, life is a series of problem-solving opportunities. The problems you face will either defeat you or develop you, depending on how you respond to them. Unfortunately, most people fail to see how God wants to use problems for good in their lives. They react foolishly and resent their problems rather than pausing to consider what benefits they might bring. So we have to consider the benefits. So let's look at a few benefits that this talked about. It says God uses problems to direct you. God uses problems to inspect you. God uses problems to correct you. God uses problems to protect you. Boy, that's a big one right there. And then it says, God uses problems to perfect you. And that one's really important. That one's really important. You know, I spent many years doing some problem solving. Most of you know this, but I spent 18 years in, in management with McDonald's. And during that time, let me tell you, I dealt with a lot of problems. Uh... And listen, we all deal with them, so it didn't matter if they were 16 or they were 60, they all had problems. Whether it was schoolwork or boyfriends or bills or kids or, or whatever, everybody had problems. And, uh, you know, you just have to deal with it. And there was nothing like taking a, a, a vacation vacation. And as you pull up in the parking lot after a vacation, there's about five or six people waiting on you with a list of problems. That'll ruin a vacation really quick. You need one immediately right after that. And you know, when, when, when God called me out of McDonald's, I was so thankful. I thought, yes, yes, I will never have to do this again. Thank you, Lord. It's over. But I found out real quick. Problems will follow you everywhere. <laughs> They'll follow you everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, uh, our life is, is going to be full of problems. And uh, when we face problems in our life, that's not the time to freak out on God. In other words, that's not the time to say, I, I'm, I'm saved. I, I'm a child of God. What's going on? God must hate me. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Listen, God does not hate you. We just got through talking about that those problems are going to help protect you and perfect you and guide you, right? So there's a little story that's inside your notes there. And it says a young Christian was attempting to get into a peach growing business. He had worked hard and invested everything he had in a peach orchard, which had blossomed beautifully, but then came a frost and destroyed his entire crop. He did not go to church the next Sunday nor the next. So his pastor went to see him to find out why. The young fellow said, Pastor, I'm not coming to church anymore. Do you think I can worship a a God who cares so little for me that he would let a frost kill all my peaches? You've got a problem there, right? The preacher looked at him for a few moments in silence and then said so kindly, Son, God loves you better than he loves your peaches. You see, God understands that while peaches can grow without frost, men cannot grow without trials." God is not in the business of growing peaches. He's in the business of growing Christians. So listen, Christians cannot grow without trials. I need to say that again. Christians cannot grow without trials. Listen, Christians cannot grow on the mountaintop. Listen, we all want to stay in the glory. We all want to stay on the mountaintop where it's happy and everything's great and everything's fine. But guess what? No grass grows on the mountaintop. Right. There's no nourishment up on the mountaintop. There's no growing or developing on top of the mountain. That's right. It's in the valley where the nutrients and the grass are. Yeah. It's in the valley where we'll find as a Christian we'll do most of the development. Gotcha. Listen, you're going to do most of your growing in the valley where you're dealing with problems. You know, a problem is simply an opportunity to get better. And if we'll look at it that way, we can, we can, it'll just change our whole outlook. It's simply an opportunity to get better. And if you'll just do better than you did the first time, then we're growing, right? We're growing. Job 14, one says, man, that is born of a woman of a few days and full of trouble. Yeah. It's basically saying we're here for a short time and it's full of trouble. Right. Amen. Yet man is born. Uh, Job five seven says, "Yet man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward." So according to these verses, we're going to be having problems. We're going to be having a lot of problems. You know. So what James is saying here, he's saying, "Hey, we need to get happy." He's saying, "We need to get excited." I've got a problem. I got something I can't figure out. Woo! This is great. That has never happened by anybody in this world. (laughs) Never. The most friendly guy, the happiest person I've ever met, and I can promise you I've met a lot of people in my years in the food service and then here at the church and other things, the the most friendly, joyful, happiest person I've ever met in my life goes to this church. And I'm telling you, if there was a problem, he's not going to come up to me and say, I got a problem. <laughs> it's, it just is not going to happen. Right. But listen, we can't just leave it there. We can't just leave it there because I've never met anybody that just gets jacked up about a problem. So we have to keep reading. We have to keep seeing what's going on. we got to find out, uh, the joy in our problems. And how can we find the joy in, in these verses? Well, uh, or verses going crazy over problems. Well, look what he said. He said, knowing this, knowing this. In verse 3 he says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Verse 4 says, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect. And that, that word perfect right there means complete or mature, an entire wanting nothing. So this is how we can deal with our problems. This is how we can do it. So let's just look at number one. Let's go ahead and start and look at number one. So the first thing we see is the variety in our problems. The variety in our problems. So the Bible says there's diverse temptations. Diverse temptations. So it's various in character. So listen, problems come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a couple of problems you can see, A, B, and C there on your paper, but but listen, I can promise you, as many people as in this room, there's more than three problems going on. Some of us are dealing with the same thing. Some of us are dealing with different things. But for time's sake, we don't have five hours to pick on everybody's problems. So we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to look at just three, three major ones, three hot topics that really, if you're not going through, probably at some point in time you will go through. But most people are probably going through some of these right now. So let's look at one The first one we'll see is financial problems. It's financial problems. So just because you're having financial problems, listen, that does not mean that God hates you at all. That does not mean that God hates you. Financial problems don't mean that that you're not right with God. Uh, Financial problems don't mean that, you know, you don't have enough faith Listen, don't don't ever let anybody tell you that because you're having financial problems that you've got a faith problem that, that those two things don't don't go together. Listen, there's there's no spirit of poverty, this demon that you can cast out. Uh, that's just foolish. Listen, if, if you're getting all your teaching from TV or Facebook and they're teaching you that you're financially hurting because of faith or because of some demonic possession, you need to check up and figure out what, where you're really getting truth from. Because those two things are absolutely not right. So listen, Dave Ramsey says, if you, do, if you do what poor people do, you'll end up poor. If you do what poor people do, you'll end up poor. If you do what rich people do, you'll end up rich. Now, right off the bat, I want to I make something clear. Because for some of us, you may be saying, well, look, Jason... My parents were poor, their parents were poor, their parents were poor, their parents were poor. And I've just come to realization that I'm going to be poor. I didn't have this stuff inherited. But in all reality, most, most of the rich people today, they weren't born into it. They, they Honestly, they weren't born into it at all. It wasn't inherited to them. It wasn't passed down. Listen, it was earned. It was earned. They worked for it. They had to work for it. You know, and sometimes our, our, our financial situations are self-inflicted. Yes. Yeah. Now, now, we're going to have to get real about it, right? Sometimes they're, they're self-inflicted. In other words, you know, this is, this is something that Andrew told me about two years ago. He did not make it up, by the way, so I'm not, he just told it to me. I'm not going to give him credit and you'll go out here saying, man, that was so good what you made up. But this is what he told me one time. He said, he said if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. And listen, sometimes our financial situations are self-inflicted because we play stupid games and we win stupid prizes. You know, we, we just make poor financial decisions. And look, here's the thing. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself here, too. Right. Don't think I'm just talking down to you or, 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 or getting you. I'm talking to myself, too. I've made some poor financial decisions. I've bought plenty of stuff that I don't need. Right. Plenty. I've bought stuff that, to be honest, I've never even used it, which is crazy. Ought to, somebody ought to come up here and kick me, I guess. <clears throat> listen, I have paid a car off and turned right around and, and got a daggum brand new one. I mean, why in the world? You get rid of a payment, why would you jump on another payment? I've made plenty uh, of, of, of stupid, poor decisions. So, listen, I'm talking to myself as much as I'm... I'm trying to talk and help everybody else out too, right? Now, uh, this is what most people in the church does. This is what this is what we do. We 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 get overwhelmed with our finances uh, from making poor decisions. Then we want to. Then we want to claim this. God will supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. We'll go straight to the Bible and twist it and turn it and make it fit anything we want, right? Well, honestly, the Bible does say that God will supply all my needs. uh, But it does not say God will supply all my stupidity. (laughs) You you know, we buy a bunch of junk that we don't need, right? We make some poor, poor decisions. Uh, We buy a bunch of junk that gets us in debt. And then we wonder why God's not doing anything. Well, here's the reality. God didn't get us into debt. God didn't get us into that. That was us, right? That was us. Uh, And we have to realize that we're not going to borrow our way out of this. So here's some proof. Let me give you a little, uh, some Bible with it. Because I know you're probably thinking like, I don't know anywhere where it talks about debt and how it's going to get you in trouble well let's look at this the widow that came to Elisha said uh she said my husband died and the creditors are coming yep. and uh what did he do well he made poor financial decisions it put him in debt and it put him in so much debt that when he died she wasn't taken care of and now they were they were coming to get the boys yep. they're getting anything that they could get right. yep. so it happens right it happens so some of our, our financial decisions, our financial problems, they're, they're self-inflicted. But, you know, sometimes they're unforeseen circumstances. You, you know, and that's where we find Job, right? That's where we find Job. Job, Job was wealthy. Uh, Job was a righteous man. Listen, Job was a good guy, right? He was a good guy. When Job went to offer sacrifices, listen, he offered them for his, for his family, too. He wanted to make sure that they were good too. Like he, he went above and beyond. Uh, but in one moment, one moment of time, Job went completely bankrupt. Completely bankrupt. Listen, Job didn't go into debt or make poor decisions, but he, he did go bankrupt, and it was because of unforeseen circumstances. And, you know, sometimes we go through unforeseen circumstances, too. Sometimes we we get sick and, you know, medical bills just happen to, to pile up. We can't help it. Can't work because we're sick. You know, sometimes uh, maybe we've paid off a car or we've paid off a house. And then, you know, a, a storm comes through, a tornado comes through and it, it destroys our, our car or house. And, you know, those are just unforeseen circumstances. And sometimes it happens, right? Sometimes it happens. Don't ever compare your financial problems to, to God doesn't, doesn't love you, right? Or that you don't have enough faith. Don't ever, ever compare your financial problems to that, that God doesn't love you or that you don't have enough faith. Listen, uh, we've got Job here. You, you know, these unforeseen circumstances happened to Job I Man, God bragged on Job, right? He bragged on Job. Listen, he was suggested to the devil by God, right? I mean, God thought enough of Job that he suggested him to the devil. I mean, how about that? He he he, he trusted him enough to bring him up. But Job still had problems. He still had unforeseen circumstances. So let's look at B. Let's look at B. The next thing we need to look at is family problems. Family problems. First thing we've got is we've got Abraham. Abraham had, had problems with his wives. Well, that's the problem number one is he had wives. He had more than one. I mean, <laughs> listen, I have enough time with the one I got. I don't need more than one, right? Uh, so, and he had problems with his nephew. He had problems a lot. The prodigal family. Listen, you've got Mary and Martha. Now, now look here. You've got Mary and Martha, two sisters. Jesus is there. They're fighting in front of Jesus. Now think about this. This is Jesus. So Pastor Malcolm by no means is not Jesus. But let's just, right, let's just say you invite Pastor Malcolm over to the house. And you and your spouse get to fighting. Or maybe even your kids get to fighting. Can you imagine how embarrassed you would be? This is Jesus that's there. And you got Mary and Martha. They're starting to fight right in front of Jesus. They're Jesus' friends. They're just going to town. They're going to start arguing right in front of Him. So listen, everybody has has issues. Everybody's family has problems. Just because you're a Christian, don't think that your family is the only one that has problems. There are family problems out there. And we see that the, the best of the best are here, right? The best of the best are here. But everybody goes home. So when we're here at church, you see everybody's happy face, you see everybody's cleaned up face, you you, you know, makeup's on, hair's combed, you know, everything's good. We fought all the way to church, but as soon as we hit Campground Road, you just know, you just know, it's automatic. A fight can stop immediately. You just know. And parking lot guys are going to see me. I better smile. And then, you know, listen, we go back to wives. Man, women are crazy. As soon as you hit 157, they remember exactly where you left off on that fight, right? (laughs) Listen, everybody's got issues and problems. Uh, nobody, Nobody wakes up looking like Ken and Barbie. Everybody looks rough in the morning, right? Everybody's got some issues. Listen, problems. We all have them. The grass is not greener on the other side. We all have family problems. And if God can help the families in the Bible, listen, he can help our families, right? He can help us. So let's look at C. Let's look at C. We've got fitness problems, or you could say health problems. Fitness problems or health problems. You got uh, you got Job. Job had, you know, he had the sore boils from head to his feet. Right. And he had some he had some health problems. Hezekiah, God came to him and told him he was going to die. Now he did pray and God gave him a little extra time. But still, God came to him and told him he was going to die. Yeah. Timothy, poor old Timothy. Stomach issues. Had them stomach issues because he was a young minister having to deal with whew, some, some people with some problems, right? <laughs> you know, some of, some of these fitness problems, health problems, some of them are our own fault, right? Some of them are our own fault. Right. You know, we just don't take care of ourselves. You know, doctors say that, uh, that we're killing our own selves with a spoon. I mean, think about it. We're killing ourselves with a spoon because we just eat junk. We won't exercise. You know, then we get angry at God because our body's starting to hurt and we're starting to break down. You know, in all reality, what I'm starting to figure out is every single day, it, it gets a little harder to get out of bed. Gets a little harder to get up off the floor, putting some weight on. And, and I do get frustrated about it. But, you know, in all reality, it's because I'm waiting on this magic pill that's going to do it for me. But, you know, a couple of years ago, myself and and Andrew and Josh, we used to go to the gym every morning and we'd done that for like two years. And, man, I felt amazing. I felt great. And what you can see is there's Josh. One day it's going to catch up with him. He's just Josh, right? But you see Andrew, he's slimming up. He's still going and, and Andrew's looking good. But then you've got me. I hadn't been in a long time. So what's happening? It's getting tougher and tougher for me to get around every day. I can't blame that on God. That's me, right? That's a problem that's self-inflicted. That's self-inflicted. But, uh, you know, sometimes uh, it's it's recklessness, but sometimes it's, it's just like Job, right? It's just unforeseen circumstances. You know, sometimes people get sick because simply in the garden, the world was cursed. It's as simple as that. The world is cursed. And you know, when something happens, we always want to know why. Like that's the question that we always want to ask is why. You know, to be honest, I don't don't have the answer. I don't know that anybody has the answer. When you get to heaven, if you still want to know why, you ask why. I'm going to be honest with you. When I get to heaven, I hope I'm so overwhelmed and so happy and, and full of so much joy that I don't care why. Now, if you need to know why, that's how you're going to find out is right there. I don't have the answer. You know, at at one point in time, the, the disciples, they were with Jesus and they came up to a blind man. The blind man had been blind since birth. You know, the first thing they wanted to know is who done it? Who done it? Was it him or was it the parents? You know, a lot of times that's us, right? When we're hurting, we always want to go find out somebody that we can sort of. Make hurt just a little worse. I mean, right? Do, do we not do those things? And that's, that's kind of what they're doing here. Whose fault is it? Who can we blame? Who can we make hurt? And, and if we can blame somebody else, we think it makes us feel better. But it don't. It don't. It don't work that way. Right? But that's why we're always seeking that answer why. Well, the disciples asked Jesus. They said, "Who did it? You know, uh, since he was since he was uh, born that way, who sinned? Who sinned? Was it was a his parents." And Jesus says, "Nobody. He didn't do it. He was still in the womb, and his parents didn't do it. They didn't do anything. So, what did Jesus do? Jesus, Jesus healed the man. Jesus healed the man. Guys, sometimes sickness just comes because of the curse of the garden. Man is cursed." Man is cursed, and it's cursed because of sin. You know, we already talked about Job having the issues. Hezekiah had the issues. Timothy had the issues. Sometimes it just happens. Listen, sometimes good people get sick. Sometimes, really good people, really good Christians, I mean, people that are just fired up for the Lord, sometimes they get sick. And sometimes they die. And then, you know, sometimes there's people that are just living crazy as all get out and are so far from God and nothing ever happens to them. Or if they do get sick, they get better. There's no real answer to it. Just know, guys, we are in a cursed world because of sin. And it just happens. It's unforeseen circumstances. Now listen... We're going to face some fitness problems. We're going to face some health problems. Uh, we're going to face these things in our life. But I want you to know, you can always go to God with your problems. Sure. Always go to God with your problems. Yeah. Okay? So let's look at number two. Let's look at number two. The value in problems. The value in problems. And it says, we're, when we are in the midst of problems... It's hard to see that they're valuable. Uh, At no point in time when I was a kid did I see that me getting whooped was value. Right. At no point in time did I say, yes, mom, give me another one of those because it's good. (laughs) But look, you know, it, it helped keep me out of trouble. Right. Now look, I don't wanna I don't wanna misguide any person here. I still got in plenty of trouble. Lots of it, right? I got in plenty of trouble. But I could just imagine that if I didn't get those whoopings, how much more trouble I would have probably have gotten into. So what's the value in our problems? Well, <clears throat> you know if we don't learn to see the value in our problems, it's gonna cause bitterness against God. What do I mean by that? Well, Maybe you've never done this, but boy, as a young Christian, when I was still struggling with problems, I'd done this. And I'm ashamed to say i have done this. You know, when we'll go to God sometimes and we'll say, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I go to church every single week. I serve at the church. I tithe. I give above and beyond with my offerings. I give to missions. I'm out there witnessing. Why? Why, God? Why is this happening to me? Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never sort of said those things to God when you're going through these problems and, this, and the struggles. But let me tell you, if you stick with that attitude, man, you are going to hold some bitterness against God. Man, we just got to know that sometimes these problems are to build value in our lives, right? Amen. Well, Let's look at A, the value of our problems. A, it, it motivates. It motivates Psalms one nineteen seventy one said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted. And it's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. You know, when I have a problem, you know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to look for a problem solver. And I don't mean man either. You know, there's many people that are in here tonight that, honestly, you came to Jesus because you had a problem. You came to Jesus because you had a problem. You needed a problem solver. And you thought maybe God could do something about it. Now, you're born again now. You're saved now. But honestly, it wasn't because you had a craving for God. It was because you had a problem. And you were hoping that God could do something about it. And he can. You know, sometimes we need problems. We need problems in our life. Uh, we don't like it, but we need it. Uh, we start forgetting about God and we need, uh, we need a problem to bring us back. We saw that happen to the Jews, right? God says, look, don't, don't forget who, who built those houses. Don't forget who, who supplied those wells. Don't forget who's supplying that food. You know what they done? They forgot. They forgot. So you know what God sent them? Send them a problem. You know what they done? They they cried out to God. So sometimes, you know, we need a problem. You know, when, when, when God sends us a problem, we cry out to God. And right now, tonight, you may be experiencing a problem. Because he hadn't heard from you in a while. I want you to think about that. Right now, tonight, you may be experiencing a problem. And it's simply because he hadn't heard from you in a while. Uh, God wants us to cry out to Him with our with our problems. Um, too many times we think that our problems are too small. We think that they're too small for God, and, and maybe we don't want to waste His time, or maybe we think that God doesn't care. Listen, you're not wasting God's time with small things. Uh, I hear people all the time that say, I'm just a fixer. I'm just a fixer. I, I try to do it first before I pray. I'm just a fixer. And I get that because sometimes I'm that way, too. But when it's the same person that comes to me like 40 times in a row and they're like, I'm just a fixer. You know, I would have thought that you would have figured out that it's never worked before and you still had to cry out to God. So why do we have this thing backwards here? Right. So, you know, God wants wants to hear about your problems. Listen, God wants to hear about your problems. Talk to him. Talk to him. So what's another thing that, that it can do? B is they mature. They mature. So listen, we send our kids to school for 12 plus years. The whole time they're, they're there for problem solving. We want them learning how to solve problems. We want them to grow and mature. That's the whole point of what we're doing. Right? That's problem solving. To mature and grow. James 1 Verses two through four says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect. And that remember that's complete and mature. An entire wanting nothing. Romans five, one through four. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith and to grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope, the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Also, knowing the tribulation, worketh patience, and patience, experience, and experience hope. Listen, salvation is not an escape uh, from the trials of life. It's just not. Uh, in this world, you know, we're going to have tribulation. It says, in this world you shall have tribulation, John sixteen thirty three. But for the believer, trials work for him and not against him. Suffering builds Christians' character. The word experience in Romans 5, 4 means character that has been proved. The sequence is tribulation, patience than proven character or experience, than hope. So what's this mean? What's this mean? Well, really, let's we'll, we'll get it into Alabama terms that most people can understand. You know, really, it's the difference in, in between the quarterback and, and the rookie, right? It's the difference in the quarterback and the rookie. The quarterback, he's been there. He knows what to expect. He knows that the crowd's going to be loud. He knows that people are going to be out to get him. Uh, You know, he knows what to expect and he knows because he's got experience. And because of the experience, you know, he knows how to handle the situation. The rookie hadn't been proven, right? The rookie don't know what's going on. Well, listen, there's something about being proven. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Can God trust you? A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. So can God trust you? Listen, we have to realize that the things that we're going through—they're necessary. They're necessary. We see—we see the story about David. You know, David—David David faces a bear. Now, now think about this. Think about this. Now, when we know David, we we know he done great things, and man, he defeated great things. But but let's just really think about it for a second. Do you think that when David's out there and he's messing with the sheep and bear shows up, do you think for a, a minute that he was like, yes, bear today, let's go, I'm ready. i scared to death. Scared to death, but he had the bear. Then the line comes up. I seriously doubt he was like, all right, another one. I mean, probably in his mind he was thinking, that bear was tough. I'm dreading this one. But then the line came up. But you know what? David needed some character building. What do he have next? He had the giant. Those problems that David had, the bear was a problem. There was nothing joyful. There was nothing exciting about the bear. It was a problem. The line was a problem. There were character building to get him prepared. Goliath. Goliath was a, was a, was a problem. Yes. But listen, even though David needed that character building, God had greater things for him. What happened when he defeated Goliath? Wealth. Right? Got to, got to marry the king's daughter. God had greater things for him. If you're going through some stuff right now, if you're going through some trials right now, maybe you need to just think. Maybe God's something, got something greater for you. That's how we can find some joy in these problems, is to realize that through this character building, maybe God's got something better for you. Amen. Yes, sir. Let's look at three. Let's look at three. The victory in problems. Let's look at the victory in problems. So, so what do we do about our problems? Do we cry, whine, gripe? I'll be honest with you, I do. My wife says I'm like the most negative person out there. I will gripe and complain and just whine and whine and whine. And then feel really stupid after I do it because, you know, I just like a knee jerk reaction. But what does God want us to do? What does God want us to do? Well, let's look at A. God wants us to pray. Right? Skip the whining, skip the griping, skip the crying. Just go straight to God and pray. Right. Uh, most of the most of the time, prayer is like the very last thing that we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean saying a, a little bitty quick prayer. We probably will do that. God help me, and then you just forgot all about it, right? Because honestly. You're not looking for God's help. You're already on a mission to solve the problem, make it right, and go with it. So you might as well have just kept your lips closed. But God wants us to pray. And He wants us to say a real meaningful prayer. Spend quality time with Him. And God wants us to be real. right? He wants us to be real. Philippians four six says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your request be uh, made known unto God. Who's the first person you you tell about your problems? It's not God. Friend, family. Probably anybody that'll listen. I mean, you're burning that phone up, right? Listen, Facebook is hot with them problems. I mean, you're posting it. We're going to everybody but God. Right. And the, <laughs> and the thing is, is, you know, honestly, the reason why we're going to Facebook and we're going to everybody that we know is because really we're just hoping that they'll agree with us. Yeah. Right. That they'll tell us exactly what we want to hear. Yeah. We give God last. We give him the very last thing we, we have because we think we've got the problem fixed. Now, I, I, that little, this little part right here where I'm talking about we, we go to everybody else and, and they tell us what we want to hear and we think we've got it fixed. We're going to come back to that here in just a second. We're going to come back to that. Let's look at B. Let's look at B. We have a process. We have a process. It's facts, not feelings. Facts, not feelings. We don't, we don't operate off of our feelings and emotions around here, do we? Listen, you cannot solve a problem in an emotional state. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, No one has ever solved a problem with emotion. We need facts. We need facts. Proverbs 18, 13 says, He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is is folly and shame unto him. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things of good report. If there be any virtue. If there be any praise. Think. Think on these things. Listen when you hear. When you you have a problem. Get all the facts. When you hear about a problem. Get all the facts. Don't let your, your emotions overrun your logic. Uh. Sometimes we think that that God is moved by our emotions. You know, we think that the more emotional that we get, uh, that God's going to act faster. Wrong. That is so far from the truth. Wrong. Uh, Listen, God is moved by our faith. He's not moved by our emotions. He's moved by our faith. And if we want to solve a problem, listen, we, we've got to have all the facts. When your car breaks down, you, you go to, to the mechanic. W- what is he trying to get? He's trying to get facts. What's the car doing? What kind of sounds is it making? What's the gauges say? Right? The mechanic wants to get facts. Uh, when we get emotional, things start going wrong, and they start going wrong in a hurry. Uh, we've got to stay cool, calm and collective. Listen, I'm this guy that uh, answers too fast, talks way too loud, way too fast. I mean, I just get it all wrong like crazy and have to go back and apologize like all the time. And uh, I've I've met this man, Jared Nelms. Y'all know Dr. David Nelms. He was here for for the Missions Month. His son, Jared, I've met him a few times. And I'm telling you, I, I'm really trying and working to be this guy right here. I'm trying to slow down as I talk. I'm trying to completely listen to what you guys have to say before I interrupt and you know, not let my emotions take over. This guy is, I'm telling you, he is cool, calm, and collective. You know, like two weeks ago, we were at this uh, leadership meeting uh, myself, Pastor Dustin, and and like six other pastors, and and some TTI guys from overseas, and uh, we're we're trying to figure out how we're going to get this DMD just perfected right here in the states because that's what we want, right? We want to get it perfected, and we really do. And some arguing's going on, and I'm watching this guy, and I'm like, I've got it. I'm I'm going to be this guy right here. I'm not going to interrupt. I'm not going to say anything. So it gets to Jared, and we're all kind of like, okay, Jared, what's the answer? And Jared just stays cool, calm, and collective. And really, the answer that Jared gives us, he's, he's really he's getting on to us. Like, we're in trouble, right? He's getting on to us. And he's just so cool, calm, and collective that we're just kind of like, yeah, give me a little more. <laughs> right? So we've got to just stay calm. That's how we're going to get these problems solved. we just got to stay calm. Now, is it easy? No. No, it's not easy. But it's the right thing to do, right? It's the right thing to do. Get the facts. Leave the emotions out. We've got to stay calm. So let's look at C. C, pursue. We need to pursue. This is how we're going to find victory in our problems. First it was pray, then there's a process. Now we're going to pursue. Right? We've got to pursue the truth you discover. So once we get the facts about our problems, guys, we've got to look at what does the Bible say about our problems. Right? We've got to apply the Bible to the facts you gathered. We've got to put some application there. You remember we talked about when we pray, we're always calling everybody else. We're not really praying to God. We're getting all of our advice from everybody else. And then by the time we do get to God and we pray... God's given us a guidance and direction, but that's not the same guidance and direction that 45 other people's already gave us. So you know who we listen to? Not God. And we wonder why we continue to have these problems. And then we finally, after we get beat up quite a bit, then we go back and do it the right way. But listen, we've got to apply the Bible to these facts. Guys, if you're having marital problems, where do you get your answers? The Bible. If you're having financial problems, where do you need to get your answers? The Bible. If you're having family problems, where you need to get your answers? The Bible. Guys, we've got to apply the Bible to the facts that you gathered. James one twenty two says, Be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving of yourselves. Faith without works is dead. Is dead. Then look, let's look at D. Let's look at D. We've got to have patience. We've got to have patience. We've got to wait on God. Worst thing about my problems, I'm in a hurry and God's not. That is the worst thing about them. I'm in a hurry and God's not. Proverbs 5 Trust in the Lord. Guys, this means we have to trust His timing. We've got to trust His timing. Problems, when responded to correctly, are character builders. God is far more interested in your character than your comfort. Your relationship to God and your character are the only two things that you're going to take with you into eternity. You've got to trust the Lord and trust His timing.